Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We're in a series called Teach Us to Pray. I'm so excited that you all are here. Last week, I mean, you all showed up in the rain. It was pouring out. And yet this place just, the sounds, it just filled me up all this week. The conversations, the sounds, all of it. And so today we're in week two, Teach Us to Pray. You remember I told you that last week that if you ever asked a rabbi, Teach me to pray. You are asking that rabbi what gets you up in the morning. What's your vision? What's your mission? What do you hope to see accomplished here through your ministry on planet earth? And so Jesus offers up the greatest prayer, the most prayed prayer, the most recited prayer, the most memorized prayer. These 60 plus words are anchors for how we can live as disciples. Teach us to pray. And so today what I want to do is I want to offer you up three words, two verses, and one terrible drawing. Three words, two verses, one terrible drawing. So we'll begin, we'll begin, if you have a Bible, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have one, no worries. It'll be up on the screen. Uh, If you have a small little black Bible, it is page 779. It says this in verse 9. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about this last week, but I've been really trying to help because some people came up to me last week. They're like, I I, I get it, but like, how how do we actually be the kind of people that embody this prayer? This was Jesus' mission here on this earth. How do we do this? And I just love right from the jump, it's almost as if Jesus is just trying to tune our hearts, tune our minds, tune our spirits back into proper order and alignment. And I don't know about you, but every single day, it's like I feel like I can just drift from one conversation to a next, to a meeting, to email, to Slack, to Facebook, to Twitter, to text messages, to phones, to conversations, to to-do lists, to picking up my kid. Yesterday, I had to drop my son off at 6 a.m., and then I, he was going to a cross-country meet, and then he, I had to go pick him up from the meet to take him to play practice, and I, I'm like, I don't know how people do this on the regular, one, wanting from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and there was just moments in the car driving out to Warrensville or wherever this place was in the middle of nowhere for this race, I just found myself just stopping and just going, our Father, just, I just needed a moment to inhale and exhale. I've been thinking a lot about this because really just this first beautiful sentence, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart, is your name, is just a moment for us to slow it down. Sometimes I show up in this building super early. When I get here super early, the team is often uh, getting ready for worship. You know, we've got amazing volunteers who, who set up and got the band that's just in there and they're, they're setting up and just starting to tune. And, and, and every once in a while, every once in a while, I, I will catch some of our worshipers, musicians, worship leaders like Andy or Maggie Uh, Others, Carrington, 
just beginning to almost warm up their vocal cords. And, and it, it's always one of my favorite things because I, I don't ever do that. I don't ever really warm up this instrument. I just wake up and start talking really loud, according to my wife. But you start to see the way that they take care of this instrument. And, and, and sometimes I've seen this in churches all over the country. You know, you get there super early and people be doing weird things like, and I'm like, what are you doing? But sometimes, sometimes, and Andy, I'm going to have you come up here, see if you can play along for a second. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be in the room and I'll be watching, and, and Andy will start, but then she'll like move into the crowd, almost trying to hear the speakers and then hear everyone else sing. And, and it's like she's setting the tone and the tune, and then I'm watching these amazing vocalists just meet her where she's at. And I've been thinking about that this whole week because everywhere we go, God's already there. And if God's already there, there's like this resounding hum and rhythm and tune. This week ago, I was um, with someone that Andy thinks very highly of, this, this musician. Um, and, 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 and this guy just walks out. Nobody knew who he was. He just walks out of this packed auditorium and he starts singing a cappella Amazing Grace. In a whole environment of non-believers, this guy just gets up and with his voice and the whole atmosphere changed in this one moment. So I was just thinking, maybe Andy, we could play for a second. You're a good singer. I'm not. You're a great singer. I'm not. So, so can you maybe just sing just a little bit of Amazing Grace and help me get a tune to you? Sure, yes. <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. Keep going, Steve. No, no, no. Real quick, real quick. Sometimes you have an idea for a prop in your mind, and then you're like, oh, she's too good. But then you're singing, and you're going, this is how I feel with my relationship with God all the time, right? It's like so hallowed, like her voice, and me not so much. And yet, I'm not asked to be Andy's voice, because that can't happen. I wish it could. It can't happen. But my job is to try and to live in tune to that voice. So I've seen you teach people. Mm-hmm. In one lesson, can you help me? We won't get through the whole thing, but we're, you know, okay. we're going to do it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So it's amaze. Amaze. That's good. All right. All right. Okay. We'll take the next part. Zing. Zing. All right, one more time. One more Let's time, try it time. again. Zing. Zing. That's good. That's good. Okay. Grace. Grace. I'm so sweaty right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Grace. Grace. Okay. 
One more, one more, one more. Okay. okay. Let's take it from the top. Amaze. Let's do it together. It's usually where people hold their stomach, right? This is very okay, true. Yeah, yes. Okay. You're dying Try it one for more him. time, one more time. Amaze. It's like you're taking a stair step ladder. Amaze. Good. Zing grace. How sweet the sound. Yeah. There we go. All right, all right. Andy, thank you, thank you. But just right there in that moment, as silly and as bizarre and terrible for me as that was, there's a moment where I have to slow it down to try and stay in tune and in rhythm. Now just think about this for a second. Think about this a second. You walk into your office. You walk into a crowded restaurant. You walk into... A situation where someone's ridiculously late. You walk into a moment and all of a sudden God's already there and yet you feel you. You feel all of the frustration, the trigger points as Bria was talking about, the places where you don't want to trust or you want to get frustrated. And it's in that moment, the first word. What if we could be the kind of people who could attune our Father? who art in heaven, holy and hallowed is your name. And all of a sudden, we can stumble our way through singing and trying to live in beat and in tune and in rhythm. Back to the text. The scriptures say this, verse 10. It says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I love what it says. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So there's one moment of this attunement when we find ourselves attuning. God's here, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart as your name. And then there is this moment from attune that we now bring it to the present. There is this actual choice that we have to make where we have to attach we go from a place of attune to attach. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And in John Orberg language, he says that the thir- first three steps of AA, and that began in the church, the first three steps of AA simply could be, I can't, Christ can, I think I'll let him. The first three steps. And so in this movement of attuning, you find yourself going, oh, I hear the beat. I hear the Spirit's sound. I see what God is wanting to do. And now I'm going to join and I'm actually going to attach to it. I can't in my own strength pull this off. Christ, you can. And I'm actually going to choose to let you do it. See, you go from a tune, first word, second word, to attach. And again, anybody who's ever gone through an adoption, you understand the importance of attachment theory talked about this a little bit, but I want to, I want to keep stressing words like to- cognitive dissonance and attachment theory, especially when there's trust issues. But there's this moment where we have to actually willfully choose to say, I'm attaching myself, my story to you. Now, oftentimes when this happens and how many of us grew up learning about this was simply this, God is all good and I am all bad. 
So what happens is when you have this kind of either-or dichotomy, God is all good, I am all bad, then all of a sudden I have these internal beautiful good desires because you were made in the image of God, and yet I have to stuff those desires. I can't actually be who he made me to be, and I just go small, but I attach to a big God. And I don't think the results are that great. And I think it's actually poor hermeneutics. And hermeneutics just simply means the interpretation of a text or scripture or value or idea. But here's, here's the real truth is every single one of you as a Christ follower, every one of you who was created in the image of God, every one of you who has the spirit of God within you, the third person of the Trinity, every one of you who has spiritual gifts, every one of you who has dreams and desires, God gave you that. And he's not asking you, like, oh, my, my will be done. Only your will be done. This thing I just got to stuff. What he's, what he's trying to say is, how do I take all of the best parts of who he made me to be and attach that to God's strength, God's power, God's dream for the world? Does that make sense? And this is, this is when you find yourself being spiritually unleashed for kingdom good. You're not playing small. You're not dismissing who God made you to be. But oftentimes, for many of us, we play small with the good parts of ourselves, and we play loud with the parts of our flesh that do want to take over. For vengeance, bitterness, or rage, or anger. We find ourselves now, it's like the new TMZ videos that they want to show every weekend. is like some f- fans getting into a fight in a football game. You just find yourself just watching this. All it is is it's in a moment of someone's lack of attunement and attachment, and all of a sudden, just all hell breaks loose. And the, and the goal for us is when we can hear the Spirit's song and attune, and we actually know who we are, and we take up our rightful space, because that's, that's, in my opinion, what humility is. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking too much of yourself. Humility is actually taking up your space of who God made you to be. Not trying to be somebody else, not trying to compare yourself to somebody else, but being you and choosing to believe and attach your one and only life with God because you believe it will be exponentially greater for those around you, even and including yourself. So first word, attune. Second word, attach. Let's go to the text, two verses. The second part of that verse, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then there's that last sentence that many of us know. On earth as it is in heaven. So all of the values that are up here, may they be manifested and represented and actualized, embodied, incarnated, whatever word you want, here. Now. Now. I, I love whatever city I live in. I change this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Elgin as it is in heaven. Or in Hoffman as it is in heaven. Or in Pingree Grove as it is in heaven. Wherever you live, in Crystal Lake like Asa as it is in heaven. Wherever you live. The idea is that man, in this place, in this city, man, would goodness be. 
Would God's kingdom be so evident? Dallas Willard says the word kingdom is where the rule and the reign of Christ is supreme. And everywhere you go, Christ is ruling. Christ is reigning. Christ is on the throne. And that affects politics, to our schools, to our homes, to our being. And the whole dream is that this would be what Christ dreamt it to be. And that we as disciples would be what Christ dreamt us to be. But some of you, how many of you in a show of hands actually live in Elgin? Yes, well done, well done. All right, how many of you live in the northwest suburbs? Okay, okay. This is great. It's like, it's like 60, 40 Elgin. Now, what I love about this is for me, Elgin's motto is the jewel of the Midwest. Not the jewel Osco that sells good honey crisp apples, but the jewel of the Midwest. It's also known as the city in the suburbs. And one of the reasons we chose Elgin, people ask me this all the time, why Elgin, why Elgin? One, it was similar to me in Rockford, divided by a river. It's also, for me, just there was this grittiness to it. And I actually thought there was so much potential and good that was already happening. It wasn't like a whole bunch of people that we wanted to transplant in Elgin and be like, we're changing the city. No, 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 no. That's not it. We're joining with what God wants to do in this city. But anytime I go into a city, I find myself studying that city. Just like it's a scripture verse. I want to know its context. Did you know that this city, Elgin, was actually started by James and Hezekiah Gifford. Good name right there, Hezekiah Gifford. They lived in New York. New York, these two came out. James really, really loved it. It's in 1832. But does anyone know why they named it Elgin? It's from a Scottish psalm. And you can, like, Google this. It was a Scottish psalm book, and there was a tune, the tune, the song of Elgin. And in Scotland, there was a city called Elgin. There's actually a a lower-tier Scottish soccer team, Elgin FC. But this whole city was named after a Scottish psalm. And we gather here... To worship. If you drive up Elgin and you go up to like what do they call it? Holy Hill? Is that what they call it with all the churches? It's because James and Hezekiah Gifford gave that land because they wanted churches to be able to have land to start churches so that the Psalms could be continued to be sung. Fascinating, right? I, what's also interesting about this city, and this comes from Evan. Um, I was with him and a bunch of people at EPH, which I'm such a Bible nerd. I was like, oh, Ephesians, but it's not. It's an Elgin pub house. I go there, and we're talking, and uh, we're, we're having this conversation, and Evan and this other guy that I had never met before, he doesn't go here, but Evan and, and, and Bo are good friends, and Bo has, like, the best mustache in, I've ever seen, and, and Bo does like graphic design for, for, for this, some amazing beer companies. And so he's talking. And then Evan and Bo get into this conversation about butter. And I'm like, what are you two talking about? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know that, you know that Elgin. Elgin was like the dairy capital of the world. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's what we call it. So in my mind, I go straight to sports. And I'm like, oh, we were the cheeseheads originally. And, and then he goes, Bo goes, Did you know that there's this great divide 
almost like in hip-hop between East Coast and West Coast, but between different sticks of butter. And I'm like, please tell me more. I am fixated on this. He says, did you know that this is known as the East Coast butter? And I was like, okay. And, and this was actually East Coast, they call it, but it's actually called the Elgin stick. Am I getting this right, Evan? It's the Elgin stick of butter. This one, the stubby one, are called the West Coast Stubbies, which is just fantastically terrible name. But that's, so Elgin was the dairy capital of the world, and basically in 1832, you had the beginning, 1871, the beginning of the Elgin Butter Company. Fascinating. Fascinating. But let's even take it one more step farther, as many of you know what this city was actually known for. Watches. The Elgin Pocket Watch. This is my own. I didn't like borrow it from anyone. This is my own. An Elgin Pocket Watch. 1864 was defunct in 1968. If you go down to Chicago's Union Station, there still is a massive Elgin clock. That's what it was known for. It was amazing. It's just all of these different themes for me where I started to think about this. Wow, this whole city was like about this Scottish psalm book. And this, this whole thing around butter and all of these meals and tables that got affected by this one city. And yet this whole sense of time and keeping watch and all of this stuff. And, and in my mind, I'm like, this is the history. Add in diversity, people from all over. And there's something so beautiful here. And so here's, here's what I want you to know. We as a church... We want to join with what God is already up to in Elgin. Or no better than anybody else. We are humbly coming to join. But if you live like I do in Hoffman Estates, it doesn't have as cool of a history at all, but it's Hoffman. But I will tell you this. I want you to learn this. How we engage with the city here, I hope that you'll learn for how you engage with your neighborhood in the city that you live. And that's when I think about the motto of this place, a city in the suburbs, that how we engage with this city would actually spring forth and spring out into every neighboring village, township, or whatever your place of location is called. That we would be the kind of people who, one, attune, and two, attach. That we would be fascinated by our own story. In Elgin, it's Scottish psalm books, butter sticks, and pocket watches. But somehow there's something there that I believe can help us not just attune, not just attach, but third word, attempt. Attempt. Attempt to bring a little bit of heaven here to earth. Attempt to bring a little bit of God's goodness into every conversation. Attempt to actually try our best and we are going to get it wrong to try and attempt one more time to show a city, to show a community, to show a surrounding area what the bride of Christ can actually look like. A diverse bride. A bride where women and men both have talents and abilities and are fully unleashed to use their gifts. Something that actually, when people see it, they stand and they go, that's a beautiful beautiful picture of the bride. And we're not going to always get it right. It's why I use the word attempt. The three on the Enneagram in me wanted to go, we attune. 
we attach so that we attack. That's what I wanted to say. It's just not really biblical. But you know what we can do is we can attune and we can attach so that we can attempt. Little by little, day by day, to bring heaven to earth. So how do we do that? And again, I've been trying to build on some stuff over the last few months. Many of you remember I handed out this cross. We talked about cognitive dissonance. We talked about this cruciform life. And every time you come here, it's probably you're hearing that phrase. And some of you are like, stop it. I can't stand that phrase. I'm going to keep saying it. Because our whole job and our whole hope is to shape and form you into the way, the life, the burial, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. That's our hope. That's our hope, is to help you attune and attach and attempt to live as Christ lived. To die as Christ died. To experience the power and the life to come of what the resurrection is all about. And to do our very best to not just learn how to pray, but to embody what prayer looks like by bringing heaven here. So here's my drawing. And again, it's, it's, it's going to be terrible. But I, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll just give me a little bit of grace. And I just got like a couple moments. And then I, hopefully this will, this will make sense. People keep asking me, Steve, what's the, what's the vision of this place? What's the hope of this place? And, and for me, I'm just so visual. I just see a triangle. Mark Lane, I hope that somehow the Lord will inspire you to make this a lot cooler looking. Because you are an artist. I am not. But what I, what I, what I think about this is... Everything that we do, everything that we do, my hope, sorry, that's bad. (laughs) Everything that we do, I hope is going to help us be shaped and formed in this cruciform life. And, And you've probably picked up, whether this is your first time, whether this is your second time, whether you've been coming here since the jump, kind of what we're about. And there's these, these kind of these phrases, these phrases that we often say. Now, I, I, I got a high schooler now, and it's, it's all a little bit different um, because sometimes I text my son and sometimes he doesn't respond. I'm not used to that. Um, and then if he does, he does text back, you know when he texts back? He's um, a slew of bizarre letters that I can't actually figure out. Like BRB. I'm like, uh, JKJ. I don't know how to respond. Be right back, I heard. This is what that means. Um, all these different letters. And if you want like the greatest dad joke, just text your high schooler or junior, school, junior higher a slew of multiple letters and just watch them freak out like they've, that they don't know what this word or this new hipster language means. I do that all the time. My son just sends back SMH, shaking my head. But I, I, because I, uh, I don't have all of this or a flip chart to draw out, if you can just let me just kind of try my best at this. What I want you to see is you'll hear this phrase. Some of people have shirts, but it's anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone. And I think about anyone and everyone. Because for us to be the kind of people who actually embody the way of Jesus in a cruciform life, that means we've got to be so deep with Jesus. And Jesus talked to anyone and everyone. 
He talked to Samaritan women when no rabbi would talk to a Samaritan woman. He found himself going into conversations because he was so deeply connected to the Father and so deeply connected and empowered by the Spirit, he was okay. And like I said a few weeks ago, our true self, grounded in Christ, is unoffendable. Other people started to freak out. Why is he talking to them? Why is he eating with them? Why is he doing that? Why, 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 why? But Jesus, I got a fly right here. That's fantastic. It's a big fly. Bye. Um, if I see it, it's like just these arrows. The deeper I go with Jesus, the more people I'm going to be able to hang out with who are different from me. One of the hardest parts for me in the, in, when I come, came back to the suburbs was just how many people had just given up on church. What's really hard for me is, is and I told all of our volunteers today, this morning I, I read super early that Pew Research came out and they said that for the first time in U.S. history, the amount of people claiming to be Christ followers or Christians, that was the term, Christians, had dropped below 50%. First time ever. And church attendance is drastically declining. And what I've, what I've realized is this arrow of anyone and everyone, the deeper I go with Jesus, goes that way. But when I'm actually with people who are different from me, it also goes this way. Because it forces me to actually have to go and be wildly more grounded with Jesus. That's, that's been one of the greatest moments of my discipleship. In the late 1990s, some buddies of mine, we started a ministry called Solidarity. We moved into a neighborhood, and it was, it was, it was really, really poor neighborhood. And we thought we were going to go help that neighborhood, and that neighborhood transformed us. Because that neighborhood taught us what we needed and what, how we had to be wildly more dependent on Christ. And in every conversation, I found myself going, I don't know the answer. Jesus, help me, which is a fantastic posture to be for your discipleship. And the more that we can be those kinds of people, attune, attach, attempt, the better off we'll be. The second place that you've heard, and, and you heard it from Bria today, is almost this, this idea of long tables, low walls. Long tables, low walls. And... and as Jarrett Stevens said recently to me, he said, you can sit shoulder to shoulder with someone and not see eye to eye with them. Or can you? It's like, wow. And again, if you think about communion, communion is really an opportunity to remember, but more than that, it's about learning to practice tending to the presence of Christ at every table. And what I'm trying to help you see in the scriptures is that Jesus would sit with anyone and break bread with anyone because he actually believed that if they could actually begin to see their life grounded and rooted in the kingdom of God, it would be wildly better. I often find myself sitting with people that I disagree with, that I don't think exactly the same with. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. What I want to be is, is the hands and feet of Christ. What I want you to be is the hands and feet of Christ. But when you find yourself seated beside someone who's different than you, you know what's amazing? Is it forces you to go deeper and deeper and deeper with Jesus to attune, to attach, to attempt. 
And oftentimes people don't like that. And, I, and I've been around people who gave me the clearest answers, and yet when it mattered most, they failed. But Jesus kept saying, hey, you know how you do this? Yeah, you love God and you love your neighbor. Oh, yeah, you know how you do this? You trust the Spirit. You know how you do And I told you this a couple weeks ago. He only answers three of the 307 questions he's asked directly. Because what he wants you to do is be shaped and formed. And then... I was so moved by Carrington's talk. I've been thinking about this like crazy. Because when I think about this whole journey, it's TXF, the X factor. And, and Carrington did this math problem, O, ordinary plus X equals extraordinary. And the X factor represented the presence of God, being filled with the Spirit, and going to live a life of living sacrifice. And I, I just I keep thinking, man... The deeper we go as a church, we're going to talk to anyone and everyone. The deeper we go with Christ, we're going to have long tables, low walls. The deeper we go with Christ, we are going to be singing and worshiping and have a sense of freedom. And I look at this and go, so often people are like, just go do, go do, go do, go do. But the wild story of Jesus was that he first was with God, filled with the spirit and scent. And when we know how, and you've heard me say it, and I'll keep saying it, not just keep the main thing the main thing, as Bible colleges teach their students all the time, but we are the kind of people who keep the remain thing the main thing, remaining, abiding, aboding, making our home in Christ. We'll talk to anyone and everyone. We'll invite people into our homes, and we will be the most worship-filled community. And doing that, that's when we're going to see things get interesting. Last weekend, and I'll end with this before we do the Lord's Prayer. Last weekend, I was outside. It was pouring rain. I was walking, just kind of doing my, daily, my kind of prayer around the building just to get the nerves out. It was raining, and I was like, first week of the Bears game or Bears season. I don't know. It's raining. I don't know. I don't know how many people. California, nobody would show up to church on that weekend. I had, no, I had no idea, no idea. And I walked in here, and this room pretty much was packed. The balcony, I saw people just like leading people up to the balcony. And our team just kind of huddled and were like, hey, I, I, I think if we keep going at this rate, nobody can invite because we're breaking the 80% rule. And the 80% rule literally is like, if it's 80% full, then people, people like aren't going to invite. And I just, I just found myself seeing so many new people, people coming and, and, and coming because they saw something different from the worship. They met many of you. And so we want to put this out there is that we want to begin a second service in October 30th, so in six weeks. Now, you all could leave after this vision and be like, no, this is a terrible church. We're never coming back. Um, then we're like, okay, we'll stay at one service. But the hope of it is, is we want to reach people. I want to see people get baptized. I want to see people go through this following Jesus course. I want to see people live a cruciform life. I want to see people who have given up hope on the local church step foot back in and go, one more try. I give this place one more try. And to say, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do our very best to attune, to attach, and attempt.
to be a little bit of heaven here on earth. And to do that, we're gonna need some help. And in our meeting after, we're gonna share where we've been, what we're doing, and how we could use your help. And so we'll have a little fall update and then we'll do some Takaria Maya because they, they, they love our church and they wanted to help and they just picked up the tab for us. And so they're doing that. And then uh, we'll have a, a chance to really take this idea a little bit farther. But can I just show you one slide, one last slide before we recite the Lord's Prayer together? It's this. May we embody a more cruciform kind of life that attunes, attaches, and attempts to bring heaven to Elgin and beyond. Wouldn't that be a beautiful, beautiful thing if we could do that? And you all, every one of you, I think we can do this. I think we can do this. So, okay, let's stand. We'll stand together. And I'd love just with your hands open, I'd love for us in one sense to recite the Lord's Prayer, but I want you with your hands open to just imagine the words. You're receiving them but you're also speaking them over another, speaking them over another. And so let's say these words together on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.